Good evening. Welcome to Pigeon Post. My name is Michael, and uh, we're here to talk about John chapter 11, Um, another one of those most famous stories in the Bible. Um, I'm sitting outside of the ballet studio where my daughter is, uh, is practicing right now, and I think that they're doing something in their recital related to Psalm 23. So that's pretty cool since we just talked about Psalm 23 yesterday. The recital is coming up, so I'm excited to see that. Just thought I'd share something personal there. Um, Lazarus, if you've heard that name, you probably know that he was dead. And uh, spoiler alert, he's not going to stay dead. But we're going to see this play out a little strangely, um, to say the least, um, as far as Jesus' actions. Jesus's? Jesus? Some people say Jesus, they don't say the zzz at the end uh, when it's possessive. I really don't know which one's correct, so I might say both. But Jesus's, that just sounds better, I don't know. Jesus's actions... (laughs) are very strange here, uh, but we also see the humanity of Christ on display. So um, keep that in mind. And then we're going to see the response of the Pharisees, of course. But um, I just encourage you as you hear this, um, I, I personally think that it's a really good thing to think about death. It's a good thing to contemplate your funeral. It's a good thing to think about what would happen if I died today. Or if I died 20 years from now, I think it really helps put things in perspective. But even more important than thinking about it is being convinced of the reality of what will happen after you die and what will happen to you personally after you die. I think um, it's one of the most fruitful um, things that you can meditate on and think about Uh, because at every funeral that we find ourselves at, Um, there is sadness, and Jesus is going to show us that sadness. But at a funeral of somebody who loved the Lord and someone who the Lord loves, someone who knows Christ truly and is born again like we've been talking about, um, it might play out, it will play out uh, very similarly to how we see this play out one day. The Gospel of John, Chapter 11 Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus from Bethany, of the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who had anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. The sisters therefore sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he for whom you have great affection is sick. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness is not to death, but for the glory of God, that God's Son may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When therefore he heard that he was sick, he stayed two days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let's go into Judea again. 
the disciples asked him, Rabbi, the Jews were just trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus answered, Aren't there twelve hours of daylight? If a man walks in the day, he doesn't stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if a man walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light isn't in him. He said these things, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going so that I may wake him out of sleep. The disciples therefore said, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he spoke of taking rest in sleep. So Jesus said to them plainly then, Lazarus is dead. I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe. Nevertheless, let's go to him. Thomas, therefore, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let's go also, that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had been in the tomb four days already. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about fifteen stadia away. Many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Then when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary stayed in the house. Therefore Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will still live, even if he dies. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I have come to believe that you are the Christ, God's Son, he who comes into the world. When she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The teacher is here and is calling you. When she heard this, she arose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and were consoling her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews weeping who came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They told him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. The Jews therefore said, See how much affection he had for him? Some of them said, Couldn't this man who opened the eyes of him who was blind have also kept this man from dying? Jesus therefore again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. 
Now it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see God's glory? So they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you listened to me. I know that you always listen to me, but because of the multitude standing around, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. He who was dead came out, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Free him and let him go. Therefore many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. Okay, so Jesus, with his voice, just raised a man from the dead. Do you believe that really happened? Do you really believe if you were standing there and you saw that happen, what would you think? I think it's really important, as we've talked about, to read the Bible existentially. To imagine that you were there or tried to um, feel what the people were feeling at that time. They're weeping over a dead man who's been dead four days, so much so that he stinks. He is, his body is decomposing. And yet Jesus regenerates that man, brings new life into him, and restores him to full health, raising him from the dead with his voice. <clears throat> Man, a lot has been said about this story. Um, yeah, be careful out there. <laughs> we were talking in the last episode about uh, false teachers. And some people will just take this and run with it all kinds of directions. But let's not forget what happened here. Jesus raised a man who was dead. His heart wasn't beating. His brain wasn't functioning. His lungs were not expanding and contracting air. He was dead, dead. Okay? Um, wow. Now, we've also been kind of talking about the sovereignty of God and suffering. I think Jesus says and does some interesting things here. Um, that if, if we don't have some thoughts on God allowing us to be sick or to suffer and to use that, we won't know what to do with these, with these things that Jesus says and does. Um, one thing that he says is that essentially the sickness, Lazarus was just sick at first before he was dead. Jesus says it's for the glory of God. More specifically, for his glory. 
So, you know, I've heard this before, you know, that sickness, you know, it's never God's will. It's never God's will for somebody to be sick. Okay. I understand why, why we want to say that, but how does that dovetail with this? That the sickness is for the glory of God, that it has an intention, that it has a purpose in Lazarus' life and in Mary and Martha's life as well. In fact, it's like the author, John, pushes the envelope here and says that Jesus loved them, that is, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, the sick man. He loved them, so what did he do? Did he, did he run back quickly and raise Lazarus uh, from his sickness? We saw him do that remotely. He's, he could heal Lazarus from where he was at. <clears throat> but he didn't. And it says that he loved them so. His response to loving Mary, Martha, and Lazarus is to stay for two more days where he was at. And in the meantime, Lazarus dies. That just doesn't sound right. We don't know how to compute that. You love me and you let my brother die. And we love you. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus clearly loved Jesus. And yet Jesus let him die. <clears throat> Why did he do that? It's interesting. The Bible's written in such a way that if you just keep poking at the verses and asking why and why and why, there's some things you won't come to an ultimate answer on, except that with something like this, John's writing it for a purpose. He wants you to know why these things are happening. Um, you might not ever know why some things um, are true about God or not true about God, but what God has revealed to us, those things we can know. <clears throat> and it's not even a matter of our opinion, because John tells us flat out, that he let Lazarus die so they could see his glory. So make that connection here that the love of Jesus for you is not so that you can feel comfortable in this life or to um, get what you want, um, to, to be what you want or make your dreams come true or anything like that. It, his love for you results in him doing whatever it takes for you to see his glory. That might not sound like much to you. There's been times in my life where it doesn't sound like much to me. Oh yeah, the glory of God, what does that mean? It seems like so impossible to pin down. <clears throat> and there's, there's times in our life where we won't value that. But if we've been given a new heart, that is the thing that we want the most. That is the thing that we're desiring the most, is God himself to see his glory, to see Jesus glorified, instead of seeing what we too often see, that his name is just taken as a curse word, or he's, you know, poked fun at on countless shows and media. Jesus is just this thing right? 
that's not really real. He's just this idea that we can just kind of play around with and make fun of and give lip service to. But Jesus will be glorified. And for those he loves, he will do whatever it takes for them to see his glory. I don't want to try to convince you of that with my words. I just want want us all to think about that. I want to think about that personally every day and just just feel that and know that one one more time each day it should be new to us that what does it mean for Jesus to be glorified and how is he using the things in my life to make that happen so um it doesn't stop there with the uh the seemingly crazy things that Jesus says he says Lazarus is dead and I'm glad that's crazy. Jesus is saying, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad I wasn't there to heal him. Why? Right? We're just we're poking at the verses and saying, why? <laughs> well, he has this phrase in there that I skipped just for effect there. He says, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sake that I wasn't there. Okay, so allowing Lazarus to die is somehow going to show Mary, Martha, Lazarus himself and the disciples something that they needed. It was for their sake. And it says it again. Why? So that his disciples would believe. So now we have two ideas that are linked together. That Jesus is glorified and that we believe even more deeply. So when hard things happen in our life, sickness, death, suffering, as much as it hurts and we don't take pleasure in the hurt, I'm going to sound like an old preacher and say beloved because <laughs> I, love, I love that word. And it's a word that John uses a lot. Beloved, I'm talking to you, you who are born again of the Spirit, you, you child of God out there. Um, God is doing this to show you his glory and to deepen your trust in him. It's as plain as day in the scriptures. There's no other way to see it. I think there's a lot of things in in the Bible that we can sort of um, <clears throat> say, well, it could be this, it could be that. You know, there's, there's some things like that that we're not quite sure about. But there are things that we're very sure about. And we're very sure about this. That God uses sickness and suffering in, in our lives and even death to, to, to glorify, to magnify, to show us, to, for our eyes to be opened like the blind man. Also see the humanity here of Jesus. The Bible doesn't tell us why necessarily he's groaning. It seems connected to maybe the, the people that are sort of weeping around him. And you could go different directions with that. I'm not going to get into that. Um, but he is groaning. And then he weeps, especially for Lazarus. So Jesus knows that he's going to heal Lazarus and raise him from the dead, rather. But he's still weeping because he's dead. So it, God doesn't take pleasure in the death. He doesn't take pleasure in the suffering. Jesus is weeping with us in our suffering, in our death, in our sickness even though he knows that he's going to redeem it, even though he knows that he's going to raise us, 
even though he knows that he's in control of all things and has a purpose for it. The Lord is not enjoying seeing you sick. The Lord is not enjoying the death of one of his saints. The Bible says precious. It's a great word. Precious. Worth a lot. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. I believe that's why Jesus was weeping. Because it's precious. You can't even quite put it into words. He groans again. There's a, there's a echoing of that throughout scriptures that creation is groaning. It's not supposed to be this way. It's not that we're supposed to be sick as if God made us for that purpose. It's not that we're supposed to die. That is a result of sin. So don't hear me wrong. That's not the way that heaven is going to be. Okay, it's just, a, this is about the timing of things and the way that God is working in our lives. Jesus groans, he weeps, he groans again. But then what does he do? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And if you, if you die, even if you die, you're still going to live. And if you live and believe in me, you'll never die. What a promise that is. So as you contemplate death, just know that there's a promise there. There's a promise there that death is not the end for those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. How can we argue with that gospel? John says it a million times. It's so simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's very simple. We make it... Um, more complex than it needs to be. It's a trust. It's that object of that trust has to be Jesus. Not ourselves, not our works. It has to be Jesus. Okay, so Lazarus is raised and Jesus does it with his voice, just the way he did creation, just the way he created all things. And Lazarus comes out and he's alive again. It's amazing. Let's see the response of the people around him. The Gospel of John, chapter 11, continued. The chief priests, therefore, and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What are we doing? For this man does many signs. If we leave him alone like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But a certain one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is advantageous for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation not perish. Now he didn't say this of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but that he might also gather together into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day forward, they took counsel that they might put him to death. Jesus therefore walked no more openly among the Jews, but departed from there into the country near the wilderness, 
to a city called Ephraim. He stayed there with his disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand. Many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then they sought for Jesus and spoke with one another as they stood in the temple. What do you think? That he isn't coming to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had commanded that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it, that they might seize him. Okay, welcome back to Pigeon Post, and ballet is over, um, and my daughter Emma's in the car with me. Emma, would you like to say hi? Hi, I'm Emma! <laughs> I'm Pigeon Post! <laughs> well, you got the name right. That's awesome. Thank you, Emma. I think that's a good advertisement there. <laughs> so, um, the Pharisees are not amazed or um there was... I love you <laughs> Okay Okay is that all? You wanna get it all out? Is that it? Is there anything else? Yes. I just had Bella <laughs> and I've got the giggles and I'm coming. I love lollipops, I love the pop and I love everyone <laughs> Okay. That's good. Thank you so much. You're My little uh, co-host here today. <laughs> okay, so what's interesting here is they don't respond by giving glory to God. They don't respond by believing. Instead, they respond by plotting to kill Jesus. And the high priest that year, Caiaphas, who didn't believe, didn't want to glorify God, he sort of unknowingly-ish says something that's true in a way that he doesn't really understand. I don't I think it's true for him because they think the Romans are going to come take away their their place and their temple. Um so it's for he says it's expedient or it's better that one man should die for the people than that the whole nation perish. But he was speaking from out of his fear on a on a purely physical level. But what he didn't know is that he actually prophesied the biggest event in history, and that is that Jesus would die so that his people, his sheep, sinners just like you and me, could be made righteous through his life. When I read that, that whole idea of an exchange of his life for the whole nation, we could talk about that for a long time, but it made me think of Romans 5, 18 through 19, which I jotted down here. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. It's talking about Adam there, through Adam's sin. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. This further confirms that our 
acts, our works, do not contribute to our righteous standing before God because it's through one man's obedience. Even, even through one man's act, through the crucifixion, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, his perfect life, it includes all of his perfect life, that's what makes him the perfect sacrifice. He has fulfilled all righteousness. And so in laying his life down for the nation, they won't perish. He takes that for them. That's the exchange. That's God's economy, that he trades one perfect sacrifice of his son for the lives of all that he redeems. He has bought those lives. Such a beautiful picture. I want to point you to Isaiah chapter 53. If you haven't read it recently, Isaiah chapter 53. The crucifixion is coming up. It's right around the corner. And Isaiah chapter 53 was written many years before that. And John's going to mention Isaiah here again shortly. So I would encourage you to check that out. And thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time in John chapter 12. Do you want to say goodbye? Goodbye, it's Ella! <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. That's a giggle!